Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What's going on, Kansas City? What's going on, Chiefs Kingdom? We are back. Yes. The fifth week of the season. Chiefs are 4-0. And we're back on Players Only. Joe Mays, eight years in the NFL, linebacker, former linebacker, six-round draft pick. Yes, sir. Played for multiple teams, Eagles, Broncos, Texans. Chiefs, Chiefs and Chargers. There we go. Jets and Chargers. And yes. the Jets. Yeah, I was there for during the, during the uh, preseason. Yes, sir. Yeah, Joe Mays, cup of what's going on coming from the Leia Center downtown? Oh, man, everything is everything. Hit a little bit of traffic on the way here, but the Leia Center is doing great. Um, we're having people coming in, and we're trying to help them as best we can, a natural route. So um, if you're ever in Kansas City, we're on 6th and Walnut, the Leia Center. Please stop through. The Leia Center, indeed. I got in the cryo down there. It was real smooth. We got a guest in the studio, Keith Cash, former tight end with the Kansas City Chiefs, six years in the NFL. What's up, what's up? What's going on, brother? Ain't nothing, man. Good to be here. Great to have another offensive guy. That's two weeks two in weeks a row. Two weeks in a row. Come on, we man. We got offensive guys outnumbering the defensive guys, Keith. We are responsible individuals. Yes, oh, we are. come on. Them defensive cats, you don't know about them. They yeah. might be here. They might show up. They might not. They might. Uh, you know, they miss tackles. They miss meetings. You know. Uh, I mean, y'all drop balls. Not dependable. Y'all run the wrong routes. I mean, look, we can go, we can go back and <laughs> back forth. Back and forth it, like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, we, we all we all make our mistakes, but at the end of the day, we were professionals. So I think that's uh, that's probably the only thing that really matters. Hey, when it's all said and done, we got a chance to live out dreams, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, I am Danon Hughes, a six-round pick, wide receiver with the Chiefs for six years. So we got some blue-collar workers in here two oh, yeah. weeks in a row. We got the guys in here, Bo Richter last week. And now Keith in here, blue-collar guys, late-round guys. You know, Keith had to take a pay cut when he came from Texas. You know <laughs> you know how it is down there with the Longhorns and oh, them yeah. boosters. Hey, this ain't SMU, man. No, it's not, we, we it wasn't have, going on around Texas. We didn't have it like Texas. SMU. Oh, no. Shoot, they said oh, everything's no. done big at, at oh, no UT. Doubt. In Texas. In Texas, not there? Not, not at Texas. Not, not at Texas. Texas. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're glad you were here, man. We're glad to be back on the air and – I want to take full credit. I think players only is the reason why the Chiefs are 4-0. I think so. Since we've been on the air, they have not lost a game. I know, and we're on the air every week now. I, I mean, know. Last year, we were only here for, what, three weeks? Three yeah. shows. But now we're, we're on the week. Yeah, and every we're on here every week. We, and we got episode. the highest winning percentage of any radio show on 610. Man, that's, hey, that's, that's strong. Hey, yeah. Yeah. That's strong. That's strong, yeah. right? Hey. That means that y'all – hey, whoever – the big man that's in charge of everything <laughs> – you, hey, you got to keep us on. That's like, right, you man. can't You can't let us go. You can't let us go nowhere because we are keeping everything rolling really smoothly out here. Well, players only, for those of you just new checking in, listening in, players only, the genesis behind players only is just to have a forum for former players to come and chat, just like we would in the locker room, talk over different points, different things that are going on on the field and off the field, and we're 
Happy to have a guest, a former chief, each and every week that comes in and chops it up with us. And now, Keith, in this first quarter of the show, we're going to want to talk about this Chiefs team and just the recap of that Lions game and this team being 4-0. From your perspective, what do you see from this team? I see a lot of good defense. A lot of bad, or excuse me, a lot of good offense. <laughs> I was about to say, we're about to, we're about to give <laughs> you a drug what test. Game was right now. What game at? was we're I watching? <laughs> you know, I see, I see a team that offensively, they scored 34 points. And they didn't play very well. Yeah. So that t- and that was a pretty good defense that they played against. Yep. So that tells me that they could probably score on anybody in the league. If they're clicking and once they get healthy, man, this team's going to be fun to watch. Definitely. It's fun to watch already, but but – it's going to be fun to watch. What about that defense? Uh, as I started to say at the beginning, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the defense right now is equally as bad as the offense is good, in, in good my point. opinion. Good point. They are not the worst defense in the league, but I don't think they've gotten everything together yet. Maybe it's a new coaching staff. Joe, you could probably talk about that a little bit more. But a, a new defense, how long does it take to get it? I mean, you know what? That's what training camps and the OTAs are for. It's, it's, it's so that you, you can build that confidence with your teammates, build that confidence in the system itself. So normally it shouldn't take that long, but, you know, it seems like it's taking a lot a lot longer for these guys to gel and to click and to come together and play defense well, technique sound defense. I mean, you know, you got some missed tackles. You got yeah. guys that seem like they're out of position. And I think at the end of the day, when it comes to playing defense, you just have to want it. But you know what? The normal thing, I think, throughout our careers, that's how it always has been. But And you hate to use excuses now, but do you wonder if this team, or specifically the, the issues that they've had on defense, goes to the fact that they can't hit, can't tackle? You know, there's a lot of, you know, waving by guys on defense in practice. It's not full contact, nine on seven like we used to have, and one-on-ones. I wonder, I mean, obviously it's uniform across the league, so it can't be an excuse. But I wonder if that dynamic in itself uh, attributes itself to the lack of unity and uh, on this defense. I mean, that plays a role. You know, when you're not hitting on a consistent basis, when it's time to get out there and, when you know, when the bullets are flying, you know, sometimes it takes a little bit to warm up. You know, I, and I definitely got it, you know, the last couple of years. That's how I felt. Um, but when you're hitting a lot more, it's a little bit easier to translate that from the practice field to the foot to you know playing in games. But I think you know really, I don't think these guys are mad enough. You know, like I think the, being a defensive yeah. guy, you 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 automatically have a chip on your shoulder because you have an offense that's coming in week after week that's looking to score a lot of points on you. That has to do a little bit. That has to light some type of fire inside of you to make sure you go out there and you playing your most angry, the angriest football you play every week. Me and Keith were talking about this before the show and having that attitude, like at some point when you've heard over and over on the radio, on television, obviously the Chiefs are one of the top teams, if not the top team in the NFL. So every sports show is talking about how great this offense is and then a step back about the defense and now you hear it all the time and now you're you know 31st in the league against the rush giving up 150 yards a game you just come out of Detroit where they get 185 plus yards on the ground at some point your pride and your ego has to step up and I think that's what you're talking about in regards to having an attitude and being angry on the field I want to see what angry looks like and you know Keith we played with some great defenses that would never allow what's happening now on the field. What you know, if you remember back then, what did those guys? 
if you look at the parallel between these guys, although we're not inside the locker room, right. we can still see the vibe of this defense. I, I think that you look at player to player, man to man, they have talent. Yes. Right? I mean, if you look, just write them down on paper, they have talent. So I think when you look at, you know, the old defenses of this defense, both of them had talent. I think I mean, I have to go with Joe and what he's talking about, just being angry and, you know, at some point, Someone hit you in the mouth a couple times. Oh, you're yeah. going to swing back at some point. Definitely. And we're waiting for them to swing back. And I, you know what? I think part of it may have to do with, uh, you know, the practice habits and, and what they do in practice. Because you, Dana, back when we played, Marty wasn't playing. Yeah, I mean, it was, we ran the ball, so you had to practice physical football. Mm-hmm. And, you know, things have changed. They, they Maybe they can't put on pads. Maybe he's, I mean, Andy's obviously a player's coach who takes care of his players. Definitely. And he doesn't beat them up. I mean, we could say after 12 games, Dana, we were we were done. Oh, yeah. That's why we kind of faltered at the end of the season. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that this is totally different. But they have to get back to, to physical football. Is there and I any, think it is an attitude. Is there anything that you guys see, and I'll tell you a little bit about when I'm watching the game, I always talk to people, whether it's, you know, coworkers at U.S. Bank that I work at or, or people out on golf tournaments or charities. You know, I talk about the the lens of the game that I, I'm watching. You know, obviously my eyes gravitate to the wide receivers and, and what the DBs are doing and, and the safeties and coverages and so on and so forth. From you guys' perspective, whether it's on TV or out at the stadium, what lens do you watch this game at? And, and what are the – give me a couple of nuances that you see that maybe the general fan doesn't see. Well, I mean, for me, you know, being a defensive guy, I'm always looking at that front seven. I mean, on both sides of the ball. And I'm seeing how the def- how the defensive linemen are coming off the ball. I'm seeing how the linebackers are reacting to whether it's run or pass. And if they coming downhill with some fire lit under them. Um, and it just, to me, it seems like, you know, the guys, and it's kind of like Keith said, you know, when you get punched in the mouth, you want you, you got to throw that punch back. But me, I'm look, I, want, I want the defense to come out punching. I want the defense to come out Anything swinging. specific you've seen in games, you know, maybe not in the Lions game, but just over the course of this the games before that, even maybe in the preseason, something that pops out of your brain that you're like, okay, this is a maybe not a weak link, but it's something to be concerned about that you're going to pay attention to going forward. Beating blocks. I think at both levels, defense, I mean, at the D-line and the linebackers, you know, if these guys are able to defeat blocks, get up, beat their one-on-ones, and then make a play, that's that's the type of things that I'm looking for, and that's the type of things that the rest of the defense kind of feed off of, and you're not seeing a lot of that so far this year. Right, right. One of the things I look at is just with all the motions they do, kind of how the defense is reacting to it. Yeah. Uh, I think it's fun to watch to see how Mahomes, just through the the formations and the uh, motions, how Andy Reid is manipulating the defense and making him move into positions that they don't necessarily want to be in, setting up matchups for some of the receivers that, I mean, it's it's just fun to watch. It's something that – I haven't seen before. Yeah, you know what's interesting? That's a great point because there's a lot of the game to us is predictable. Like we can see when guys break the huddle. You know, I always look at the wide receivers. You can tell by the way they break the huddle if it's going to be a pass or a run, if the ball, if they're primary or not. Some guys just have tells in their body language. Uh, but I agree. The shifts, the motions, I, I'm sure a lot of fans think, what, what all this razzle-dazzle? It's not razzle-dazzle. If somebody follows the running back in, from outside at wide receiver, chances are it's man-to-man coverage. Mm-hmm. That tells Patrick Mahomes what where his progression needs to be, maybe tips him off to a possible blitz because man-to-man, 
generates usually a blitz uh, blitz package coming into the quarterback's face. If they just shift inside, so if you start Damian Williams outside or Shady McCoy outside and, and he comes back into the backfield and nobody really moves with him, then it's probably zone. Yep. You know, it's not rocket science, but it's just a different lens that we see. Okay, now how are they going to pick apart this this zone versus this uh, man-to-man coverage, especially in the part of the field that they're in and so on? Because, you know, our game plans back in the day with the West Coast offense – you know, third and medium, third and short. What were the tendencies? 40%, 42% of the time they play man-to-man between the 40s, but then it goes up to 80% in the red zone. These are all the the school that we go to Monday through Friday and Saturday evenings to prepare for a game. So uh, that's the nuances that I see in the game. And coming out of this Lions game, I thought they were a little bit soft up front. The first play of the game, they got knocked back on their heels and a, a big run by the Lions. To me, if you're not ready on the first play of the game, you're going to have an uphill battle going the rest of the game. And I, so I watched those different dynamics that were going on on the field. Unfortunately, even though the offense didn't play their best, the defense didn't play their best, special teams didn't play their best, you don't normally see all three play not their best football and still win a football game. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah. Well, we come upon the end of this first quarter, and we're going to come back – after the break and talk about pregame rituals and then one big topic that's been discussed around the country, paying college athletes. This is Players Only. And we're back. Second quarter. The Chiefs this season has been one of the best, not, and not just this season, but even going into last season, one of the best teams in the second quarter of all the NFL. So we got to be one of the best shows in the second segment, second quarter. Got to. In the entire world, In Keith. the world. In the world. <laughs> in the, the universe. World. I like it. You know, you got you to gotta talk big, man. That's how we do it on the field. Mm-hmm. So right before the break, we talked about pregame rituals. You know, I, I was a very, very superstitious player early in my career. I got away from it in the latter part of my career. But very superstitious, even going back to high school and into college, Absolutely. Tell me about you guys. I want I want to hear the stories behind the story, behind the jersey of you guys and game day prep. We got a big game, prime time, different than the 12 noon, a prime time game coming up. You know, people want to know what those guys are doing for the extra few hours before the game or what they normally do on road games or at home on 12 noon, which I, I'll do. I was a big sleeper, man. I just, sl- <laughs> I just slept. I mean, the main thing I did when I, you know, as soon as you get to the stadium, you get – out on the field, and I used to work up a lather. I mean, I was tired. I'd have to come back and and change. Oh, so you so, went out on the field way early? I went on the field early, and I ran around and 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 got the blood blood flowing, and then I'd take a nap. I'd go to sleep, come back into the locker room, and just just wait to go out there with our physicians. Joe, that was me. That music. I mean, yeah, outside yeah you of got that, the headphones on. Yeah, yeah. The headphones on. I think uh, the one thing I like to do when I when I first come to the stadium is hop in the cold tub. I mean, because, you know, it's like, especially later on in the season, you know, when the body starts getting really tired and sore, you want to be able to get that, just that reset. So I hop in the cold tub, you know, for about 10 minutes and just reset that blood flow. And then I go on the field, you know, work me a little lather. I got my headphones in, I'm listening to rap music. But then when I come inside, I'm listening to something real slow, uh, something that'll calm me down. Because, you know, sometimes when when you get too, too wound up, too, too excited, up, yeah. you get tired super right. early. Yeah. And, 
you know, with me being a special teams guy, I used to have to go out there and be the first ones to run down, run oh, yeah. up and down the field. And, you know, I'd be tired after that first time. So, you know, I listened to something a little slow to bring me back down, um, you know, so I'd be ready to play the game. How about uh, Percy Harvin this week? I don't know if you guys saw the article. Said yeah. he, he played just about every game he ever played, high as a kite, mm-hmm. on marijuana because of his anxiety. Now, right. he wasn't using it as a crutch. He was basically... Even though it wasn't allowed, he was using it as medication for himself in order to go out and perform. So that was his pregame ritual. And, Joe, you and I have had conversations about CBD and, you know, now all the, the movement towards legalizing marijuana yeah. and, and some of the positive effects of that. I never did that. I was, you know, I was pretty undisciplined in a lot of my pregame stuff, whether the food that I ate was fast food. And, you know, but I had a regimen, you know, bud. Epps was the trainer. He would have to tape me every single game, have to tape my right foot first before my left foot, mm. had the same music playing. It was slow jams or something like that, just like you said, to calm me down because I was kind of wound up, especially as a, a special teams knucklehead that Keith knows. He was part of that that crew early in his career before he, you know, he he went to the A-team, you know. He, he left us down in the basement, you know, the, us special teams guys. Moving up like yeah, a Jefferson. Yeah, he moved to. on up like George Jefferson <laughs> uh-huh. to, the, to the starting unit. So he left me alone, but that was all right. Um, <laughs> but you had those routines, man, and the rituals that got you ready for this game. And it's, it's interesting, you know, because we're a different generation, literally di- a different generation than these players right now. And how they're getting wound up, how they're getting ready for a primetime game the first one of the season. By the way, and I've said it all week, this is the dumbest schedule. The, the people at the NFL in New York should be ashamed of themselves for putting the Chiefs five games into the season with the reigning MVP at quarterback, the most dynamic offense, exciting player, and we got to wait till week five to see him on primetime when we've seen the duds that have happened in just Jets about and every – yeah, yeah, Jets and Come Browns on. and Giants – Terrible teams that they knew were going to be terrible before the season started, and yet they still put them on prime time. It's a, it's a travesty to me. Now, fortunately, we got some more coming up, and I'm sure they'll be flexed into a couple others yep. as the latter part of the season comes around. But uh, it's a different dynamic. It's a different deal when you're playing on prime time, and uh, it's a special time, no doubt. Yeah. I mean, those teams that you just named, they had storylines coming into the season. I mean – you know, when you got the Browns, you got all of the free agent acquisitions yep. that they made, including the trade for um, Odell Beckham Jr. And then when you got the Jets, I mean, they just signed uh, the running back from the Steelers. Um, Le'Veon, Le'Veon Bell. Bell. Yeah. So, you know, when you got storylines story like that, you know, heading into the season, you want to put those guys on prime time just, to, you know, so they, they, they be able to show them with their new teams. You got to be able just, to flex out of that game, though. Yeah. I mean, it should be an option. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you quick. Can just, it's, it's <laughs> Pull the hard trigger to flex. on it. Right. Yeah, it's hard to flex Abort. on it. You know, in the early in the season, right. but uh, I think the Chiefs are in a great position because now, you know, like you said, Dana, they can, they're going to have that opportunity to flex into a lot of prime time games. Hey, Absolutely. you know what should have yeah. happened back in the day when you when it was time for you to get cut around training camp? You saw the players going out. Somebody knock on your door. Uh, can you go see me and bring your playbook? Oh, somebody should have been knocking on those coaches' door. Those GMs, uh, Jets. Uh, you going back to twelve noon? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you going back to twelve? You don't deserve a seven o'clock shot on prime time. Uh, Talking, you brought up some big names: Le'Veon Bell, Odell Beckham Jr., yeah. guys that got paid big time numbers in the NFL. How about guys in college? The big thing around now is California. 
New York is pending. I think North Carolina, one of the Carolinas, is also in the works. I saw something about Illinois national. Uh, coming into We're talking national, national yeah. now. Now yeah. it's really gaining steam. Yeah. Uh, there's obviously conflicting thoughts about paying college athletes or college apps, college athletes getting compensated. I guess to me that would be the better terminology. Common, college athletes getting compensated for their likeness. What's your thoughts on that? I think everybody has should have the opportunity to make something on their likeness. Yeah. Because in this case, we have the NCAA and these universities that are getting paid. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have, I mean, you you name it. This kid from uh, Clemson, the quarterback, they said after last year, he's going to be the first player picked in the draft. So how, how often is, is his name, is his likeness being used? Yep. And Tua and every everybody on the exactly. Alabama's team. So you have all these guys – that money's going somewhere. I mean, whether you give it to them now or give it, you know, put it in some kind of fund that they get it after they retire. You know, the the, the education, a lot of people say that that's, what, that's their pay. But at the end of the day, education, I mean, for, for a lot of these guys, they're not going to finish anyways. Yeah. Yep. So why not take something with them? And, and yeah. what, less than 1% go to the pros? So now you got a situation where the other 99%, let's say half of those guys, could use that money while they're in college, and I and I remember and the you know I know Joe you're, you know, Keith took a pay cut, but Joe you was you I was got a big, big time. Pay raise. Big he time got a huge pay, pay raise Yo, being man. a bison, not a bison, a bison, a bison yes. North Dakota State. Yes. Uh, from your perspective, that was you know, Division One AA back then. Now yep. it's FCS. Yep. I mean, I second what Keith said. I mean, these guys they deserve to get paid because you know with their likeness being used. I mean, for me, you know, being a student athlete myself and, and going to North Dakota State, we didn't get a lot of money. You know, those Pell Grant checks, they wasn't as big as, you know, some of these other colleges and some of these other guys that, that, that you know, they received. So I think that, you know, if you, you know, these guys, they, they, they sometimes struggle. And yeah. that's what people don't realize is that these college athletes, they struggle because they're not, a, they're not able to work a job. Yeah. So not, they're not able to earn any type of money while they're playing the sport and also going to school. Exactly. Now, Keith... And I joke about the pay pay raise and so on and so forth, a dropping in pay. Who were you, number 11 at Texas? Yeah. You were number 11. 11. Yep. Wait, while you were there, how many number 11s did you see walking around or jerseys around the school, around the campus, or being sold in the, in the university store and so on? They were, they were out there. I mean, there they wasn't were, a ton of them. but They were out there. I, I, I mean, when I got to my senior year and started balling, they All of a sudden popped up. up. They exactly. popped up. I was number three at Iowa. A lot of number threes that were out there that were getting sold. And my big story about whether they should get compensated or not, one, if there's another student at the university, a piano student, an art major or what have you, that's on a full scholarship or even one that's just an academic scholarship, full scholarship, they can go and work. That pianist can go out and play at a club, play at a bar, and get paid for that. Why can't an athlete do that? You know, on, a, on a personal side, there were multiple spring breaks, winter breaks, sh- short breaks, holidays that I had to stay at the University of Iowa because I had no money to get back to Jersey. Uh, my family had no money to get out to me. There were times where we had to go two, three, or four football players, bigger than me, put money together to get pizza. Yep. These, that, those are the re- that's the real dynamics of getting compensated. Yes, 
you know, everybody wants to talk about the the big name, the Baker Mayfield or the Kyler Murray when they were in college. Maybe they would have gotten thousands and thousands of dollars. But the realness of it is the guys like myself, the guys like us here in this booth of just a few hundred dollars here or there, how much difference that would have made in our entire college experience, going on dates, proper dates, you know, being able to buy food when you really need it and not have to share with other guys. All those different dynamics that I don't think the NCAA have shown that they don't care, but I don't think general public actually takes into consideration because it's not real to them. Yeah, and when you talk about those breaks too, these guys, they don't get a chance to go and eat, you know, in, in the in the cafeteria because everything is shut down when you're on spring break. Yep. So how how else are they going to get, you know, have that opportunity? Ramen noodles. To get food. Beans and, and yeah, exactly. pork yeah. and beans. Oh, and man, the ramen noodles. Hey, them ramen noodles. I'd make some. That was some a delicacy. Gourmet, <laughs> gourmet meals. Oh, yeah, put, a little hot, put some hot dogs in there <laughs> or something. Cut up some bologna. So I don't know. You, you made your way. But, uh, you know, if these guys are getting paid, they, they, you know, they would have – better opportunities and, and better things that they'll be able to do with their time. Well, guys, we're coming on halftime right now. And when we come back, I want to talk about off the field. There's a lot of stuff that goes on off the field. We kind of navigated to that with the paying of athletes in college. But back into the pros, whether it's social issues, counseling, just general stuff that goes on off the field, I want to tackle that. So we're going to come back after halftime, take a little halftime break, get some oranges, some juices, I'm some toe yeah, indeed. Oh, yeah. And we're going to tackle that next. This is Players Only. Halftime over. If we were back in the 60s, we'd have smoked a cigarette, maybe had a beer during halftime, went back on the field. Scotch. Like those old school, old school <laughs> pictures. <laughs> we just had some tohi. We're just chilling here. After halftime, uh, major note, if you have not set your fantasy lineups, you better go ahead. Thursday game is about 30 minutes away. You guys play fantasy? I do. I do. Do you consider it playing? Yeah, I get pretty competitive with it. I'm trying to trade half my roster. (laughs) 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 You need some trades. Come on, fellas. I talk so much. Well, I talk trash when I was playing on the field, but I talk so much trash in in fantasy football. So much. Yeah. I'm obnoxious. I don't really. I don't really do the fantasy football. You know, you know everybody asks me if I if I do it, and and you know, they ask me to come and join their league. But I don't know. Like I don't really have time to even check and see who's playing. Oh man, I make time. And... I make time. You follow me at at da hughes guy eighty three <laughs> on Twitter, Facebook. You might see me talk some trash there. I, I put it on blast. Uh-oh. I don't care. Oh, it don't matter to me. But we. We talked about, uh, obviously, that's one aspect of being off the field and things that we do or things that are popular around the country with the game of football. But I want to go a little deeper, maybe a little bit more serious. Don't have to be, but a little bit, a little deeper. Counseling off the field. I recently saw an article uh, that uh, DeAndre Hopkins was a player that came out and spoke about counseling and how he continues to go to counseling, keeps him, I guess, for lack of better terms, regulated yeah. in life, on the field and off the field. Um, you guys have any experiences in counseling, whether it was while you were playing or what you needed after the game, uh, what maybe you've seen in former teammates that maybe you encouraged them to do that? I know for me, I've been, and I'm pretty transparent, I don't care, I've been in multiple counseling sessions as far as uh, marriage counseling. I've been married for 24 years different dynamics, mm-hmm. being a player, being not a player. Yep. 
having one kid, having five kids, having no kids in the house, all the different things that go on intertwined in that. Uh, so I've been, I'm totally open to it. I don't, I mean, I, mean I, I have an ego. Everybody has an ego. But for me, it's not in that aspect, that box. I'm cool with having a third person in the room to, or a second person in the room if it's one-on-one to talk through stuff that I may not be cool about talking generally. Yeah, sometimes you need that. Yeah, man. Sometimes you need that. If, if uh, you're struggling with something, whether it's a, and maybe you're not struggling. You just need some another point of view. Yep. Another point of view. And that that's what I've used it for in the past. I know um, a lot of times maybe maybe I can't get out what I'm trying to say and mm-hmm. someone else kind of weeds through my, my jibber jab yep. for me and makes sense of what, what what's going on in my head. Uh, so I think it, 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 it's good for everybody, especially athletes that, that – there's not a whole lot of people walking around like us. Yeah, right. That's true. And we we've experienced a lot more different things than than the rest of the population. It ain't all cake and roses. That's right. Uh-huh. That's right. So sometimes you just gotta get something off your mind. Yep. Yeah. Um. You know what? I'm definitely a fan of it, but I've never had the opportunity to go to a counseling uh, session. But, um. You know, I use my wife. You know, she was she was always my ear. You know, whenever I needed someone to talk to or someone to just hear me out. She was always there because, you know, at the end of the day, the whole, the entire reason why I played football was to let off that, that frustration and that steam that I had. But you don't got that now. I mean, you know what you, sometimes, sometimes it's still there. You know, I mean, no, I'm saying you don't have the Avenue to let it go. Right. I was like, exactly. Yeah. You know, I I get stirred up Monday through Saturday just so I can release it on Sunday. Yeah. And now there's no more Sundays. Yeah. I mean, football was an outlet. It it was, it was more than just a job and a career for me. It was my outlet. That was my way, you know, to be sane once I'm off the field, you know, cause I can let off any frustration or anything. I can hit somebody and I feel fantastic afterwards and, and, and off the field, I feel cool, calm and collected. Um, but like I said, my wife, my kids, they were always, you know, the ears and, you know, if, I, if we need to play around and joke around just to, you know, pull me away from, from you know, something that I'm thinking about, I always did that. And, yeah. and they became That's my good. outlet off the That's field. That's real so. good. Hey, there's a lot of – a counseling counseling person or a – it doesn't have to be a professional. Yeah. Right? I mean, a lot of times it is someone to talk to. It's just yeah. that. It may be your wife. It may be one of your buddies. Uh, I talk to – I'm like you, Joe. I, I use my wife as that sanity board for a lot of things, yeah. whether it's – you know, with my career now, financial advisor at Central Investment Advisors, yep. or or whatever. Yeah, shout I, out. I talk to her a lot. Shout out, Central <laughs> shout Bank. Shout out, baby. Central <laughs> Bank. Yeah, man. I mean, you... well, you're right. I, I mean, I think you know one thing that's great about this Kansas City area and the Chiefs Kingdom, uh, specifically the Hunt family and the Chiefs organization, is that they adopted uh, a deal. Walter White and Larry Marshall started 20, 30 something years ago. And it's the Chiefs Ambassadors. And, and Keith and I are a part of the Chiefs Ambassadors. There are about 48-ish yep. players that are st- former players that are still in the area, still contribute to the community, do a lot of charity work. But one of the biggest components is that we get together at least, at least once a month, probably more with charity uh, appearances and so on and so forth. So we have that avenue. And Keith and I have had former teammates that we had to pull aside and, and counsel and not necessarily that we're licensed, but we had to. We felt like there was a need for us to chit chat with this guy or set this person down because we saw things were maybe a little awry in their life, and that's the accountability that you guys were talking about. Whether you have it with your family or we have it, we went through, you know. And and I know in in 
it's not a popular comment, but generally speaking, we went through battles. We went through wars together. We put our bodies through so much OTAs, workouts, two-a-days, special teams, kickoff yes. coverage, yes. concussions, smelling sauce, all this stuff. You build a bond that is pretty much unbreakable because there's not many other people that can walk this walk or has walked this walk like we have that are walking in and out of Central Bank, U.S. Bank, Leia Center, wherever we work. So we have that common commonality, uh, commonality within ourselves. And sometimes, like you said, we can be our own counselors. Definitely, definitely. And, and another thing that I, I use, well, two things. One, yoga. Like, yoga, that's been I love a huge yoga. outlet. Oh, man. I mean, you get a chance to just meditate and not, and not really, you know, focus on what's going on in the now. I mean, I you know, what's going pose. on during the week, but you focus on the, the now. Pencil pose. The pencil, pencil pose. pose. I just <laughs> stand there. <laughs> straight up. Can't bend over. I'll, I'll, can't bend over. Hey, I was about to say, that sounds like Shavasana. You right. land down straight. <laughs> But you know another thing that you know something that I've 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 been noticing is you know talking to other people about the issues that they go through, yeah. you know, and that removes you from what you're going through. So now you become an ear to someone else, and now the conversation and everything changes because you're able to talk someone through some so, through some issues like someone else been able to talk you through. Well, and you know what, uh, uh, interesting dynamic not just for players, but also just in society mm -hmm. is if you're transparent you'll be amazed at how many people will be transparent with you. Yeah. If you seem like you're guarded, there's going to be people that are going to be guarded. They may need to hear something from you. They may want to speak something to you. They may want to type something on social media. I've had some crazy conversations in social media that I think were uplifting when they were over. Yep. But if I wasn't transparent up front, those people probably wouldn't have been transparent afterwards. So note to everyone out there, all the listeners on the field, off the field, former athletes or whatever, be transparent in your life. There's nothing you going through that no one else has gone through. And uh, there's somebody that can probably benefit from your insight. Definitely. Just another person's insight, you know. Social issues, though, on the field, uh, off the field. I'm, I think of us three, I'm probably the most active in social media. Uh, I feel like it's a calling in some respect to be transparent and maybe to plant seeds that other people may not think about. Um, how do you guys address stuff that's going on in in society uh you know obviously the big topic now amber geiger the the police officer that shot uh the the man in his own apartment only getting 10 years there obviously and then you got politi pol politics that have come on a numerous amount of things that are going on in society that for some reason people think that we're less apt to talk about or we're less qualified because we were athletes at one point mm -hmm. How do you guys tackle that? I think uh, for me and my wife, the, the most important thing for us is to educate our kids and to let them know, you know, who they are and where they come from and, and how to behave and how to be when you're in the public eye. And, you know, just knowing that some things just may come up because, you know, it's the color of your, because it's the color of your skin. I mean, that you know, it's, it's it. it People may not like the fact that I'm saying that, but it's it's a it's a thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, we were always brought up to do things differently and make sure that we behave in a certain way so people don't look at us or say or say anything wrong uh, to us. So, you know, I just we just try to pass that same knowledge to our kids so that they can know when they're out and they're away from us. You know, to just carry ourselves like react. yeah, definitely, yep. definitely. Kind of the same thing as Joe. I mean, I have a lot of conversations with my kids. They are very aware of what's going on out there 
in the media just because they sit down and they watch the news with us sometimes and they watch Good Morning America or whatever we're watching. And there are a lot of conversations that come up. Uh, One of the most touching things that I saw out of this cop that killed this guy in in his apartment Mm -hmm. was the fact that how his brother Brother responded. responded. I couldn't be that. I'm a God-fearing man and been a Christian for a long time. I don't know if I could have done that. But I'm just being honest. I mean, oh, it's real. I, I it's agree. real. I agree. I mean, it's, it's commendable, beyond commendable. Absolutely. Absolutely. But that's one of the things that my uh, one of my kids asked me about is, Dad, could you do that? Could you, could you forgive? And I'm a Christian man as well. And like you, if someone killed my brother, I don't know how. I mean, we talked about football and turn the other cheek. You yeah. know, there's sometimes that I just have a – I struggle with yes. that. And we all have those struggles. Yeah, you know that, struggles. that was just a a uh, a picture of what God is right there. Yep, I and mean, it's a great that, picture for our kids to see. Absolutely, it's a great picture because we, no matter how good we are, how good a perception that we are as parents, there's we're not perfect, so we get those opportunities to be able to for someone else to show grace, mercy, right. love, all of those things that maybe we. Just ain't ready to show at that point, given in that same situation, right? Oh, yeah. No. Mm -mm. Nah. All right, guys. Well, we're going to step back. Step back out of that zone and get back to football for the fourth quarter. You guys love the fourth quarter. That's usually when the Chiefs are winning or about to win. And when we come back, we're going to talk about this Chiefs team and what they have in their hands coming up on prime time against the Colts this Sunday night. This is Players Only. Put your hands in the air. The fourth. It's the fourth quarter. Were you one of those cats that walked up and down the sideline with the fours up? Everybody did. Fourth quarter. Then it was time for business. Everybody time did. Time to wrap up the business, oh, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Back well, to players I only. I wave them hands like we just don't, don't care. care. Yeah, 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 that's what I thought he was getting to. thought you was in the club? Yeah, exactly. Damn. <laughs> wow. I was, Joe Mays, Keith Cash, and I am Danon Hughes here for the fourth quarter. Players only. Last segment. Guys, it's been fun so far. Definitely. Now we got to get to the present now. We got to talk about this Chiefs team against this Colts team. Very underrated Colts team, I think. Um, what's your thoughts on this game and this matchup? I think the Chiefs should win it. I mean, we're playing well, at course. home. It's going to be, I mean, Sunday night games. We already talked about how high It's going to be crazy. I look for it to be a lot like last year Yeah. when we played them in the playoffs. I don't think it's going to be a close game. I think we, on paper, we're better. Yeah. We and offensively against that defense, I mean, it's just not a good matchup, I don't think. It's just gonna be they're gonna try to run the ball. We know what they're gonna do. That defense is gonna have to from step play up. one, step up, hit somebody in the mouth, shut it down, and make Brissett beat you. Beat you. Yep. I mean, he's been playing well though. I mean, oh, yes. you know, given he that he's been thrown right into the spotlight with uh luck uh retiring, sure. he's really stepped in and he's he's taking command of that team. So uh, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if it is a close game because they've shown that they can not only run the ball but put points on the board, which you know that that that's really been you know the Achilles' heel of our of our defense is being able to stop that run. Yeah. So um, with them knowing that they can run the ball and and having those opportunities, it, it wouldn't surprise me if this game game was a little closer than everyone would think. Well, you know, going deeper into this matchup, you know, last year the Colts came in. 
they didn't they ran the ball ball effectively and, and I think surprisingly mainly because the Chiefs got out ahead of them so quick in the first and second quarter that the run game they went away from the run game with with Andrew Luck in the playoff game but prior to that they ran the ball for 6.2 yards a carry Marlon Mack who's going to come in here is still hampered a little bit by an ankle ran for over five yards a carry up until that point. Mm-hmm. So it behooves us to have the same game plan on our side offensively is to get out in front to force them not to run because we know that we're not very good against the run. We just gave up 80, 186 yards, I believe, last week against the Lions, and we teams are averaging over 150 yards or just near 150 yards against us. 150 yards. Could you imagine that with a Marty Schottenheimer defense? 150 yards rushing against uh, a I defense? Think, I don't think you can imagine it with most <laughs> Anybody. Yeah, oh yeah. Right? yeah, no, yeah. you can imagine that. You couldn't imagine walking in the building knowing that you gave up 150 plus yards. Yeah, but you know what? We talked about this last week, and I, and I made joke of it. When we notice in the game, we talked earlier about how we see the game differently than most people. One aspect and I'll repeat it again, probably most games this season, that's funny to me is that when we literally see the opponents go against their game plan, they come into a game with a game plan that they've been working on for maybe a week and a half with their back backdoor staff, uh, quality control guys pulling up film, doing tendencies. They come in with a game plan. John Harbaugh had a game plan to run in, running in this game. And somewhere along the line in that game, we got a giggle. Because you started to see Lamar Jackson throw for 52 times in a game and try to keep up with Patrick Mahomes. You saw that in the weeks prior to that uh, as well. This game, we'll see that on and on. The Colts coming in with a game plan of running Marlon Mack, getting back to what they thought they should have done in the playoffs, and then at some point, you got to catch up. They're going to play catch up, and they're going to get away from it. Now all of a sudden you're going to see Jacoby Brissett in shotgun with no – running back in the backfield, trying to pick apart our defense. That's a recipe for disaster. I think the Chiefs will have their hands full, um, but it's going to be a fun game. I think it's going to be the best primetime game. Now, it's tough because I think this last week we had a really good primetime game uh, on TV, but this will probably be one of the best, if not best, primetime games thus far this season. Crowds were seven points. I know. The spread is seven, right? Is it seven or 11? Oh, I saw it 11. 11 You're right. It is 11. That is. That is a lot of points. Yeah, that yeah. That's a lot of points. I mean, what's your what's your what's your prediction score? Quick, prediction score. Uh, you know what? I'm going. Uh, I'm going 35-21. The good guys. So, uh, it's, so, it's, so it's not going to be close. I mean, you know what? <laughs> so the so the thing is, it may be a close game than we expect, but I'm expecting the defense. I want the defense, and I believe the defense is going to come out and play well. They're going to get some turnovers. Okay. I think Tyron Matthew is going to hold on to an interception this game. Okay, and I believe. Frank Clark is going to get a, a sack strip fumble. Got Ooh, to. I like that. And and that's the only that's way that he's doing. Right yeah, there. that's he's two doing. turnovers. Boom. You want to get the ball back into the offense hands as much as possible. Yeah, yeah sooner or later these guys got to play. You know, they they've like I like I said at the beginning, on paper they're they're very good players. You know, sooner or later good players start to play and, and turnovers happens and sacks happens and Tyrone Matthew is a uh I mean, he is who he is. He he's He's a pest out there. Yes. And we I expect for him to be that this week. Hey guys, I want to tackle one text off the text line, the Protein House Eat with a Purpose text line 69306. We don't have enough time to tackle all of them. Well, one quick question I want to raise to you guys. What question from the media pisses you off the most? 
Is there something that you've had or some experience that you've been through or some way you listen, you've heard an, uh, an interview, and it just kind of made you shake your head violently? <laughs> I, you know what? It's, it's not one question in particular, but when you ask me, ask me about something off the field when I'm trying to get ready for a game, you know, this upcoming week, why? What's the purpose? Yeah. Talk to me about the game. What Talk to me about to, the yeah, opponent. What, what are you trying into? to get to? Like my, you know, the the players' personal lives are their personal lives, and what they do is their is their personal business. Mm-hmm. Don't talk to me about that when I'm trying to get ready for a game. I'm in a professional setting. <laughs> I'm with you there. <laughs> I'm with you there. I mean, I can't add a whole much more to that. Uh, yeah, just keep it to the game. I mean, it doesn't matter. I remember back when we were playing, Dana, and we had this. Uh, one of the things I got to ask was, what kind of cookies do I like? <laughs> Chocolate chip or peanut butter? That's a real question. Obviously, chocolate chip. Obviously. I mean, why, why would you ask me that? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, keep it football. Yeah. I mean, I, I always get annoyed by the questions that you know the answer to. Yeah. It has a, how does it feel to make your first start? Well, how, do, how would it feel to you making a <laughs> first start? Obviously, it's exciting. I mean, you know, those are the questions you don't really need to ask. Uh, they're just kind of rhetorical questions because I think if you ask a, a five-year-old that plays flag football, he'd probably say the same thing. One more thing. It's another qu- it's another question. It's it's when uh, it's when they ask the question in a different way. It's like, oh, did yeah. I just say I don't want you to ask this question? I'm not going to answer it. And Can't you're try to ask trick it me up. The Jedi mind trick? trick me up. No thanks. Not going to fall for the banana right. in the yeah, tailpipe. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, guys, we're at the end. Fourth quarter. We got the W again. As always, I appreciate you coming out. Joe, obviously being a partner here. Keith, my man, from 20-plus years. Yes, that's sir. How, that's yes, how real sir. it's been. Oh. A solid offensive yep. guy on, 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 the, on the station with us, man. I appreciate hey. that. And he affected you. Yeah. I think he affected you in a positive way this time. Oh, no doubt. That's how we do. No That's doubt. what we do. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for listening to Players Only. Week 5, hopefully we'll be back here again next week with a 5-0 and record for our Chiefs. If they follow suit, it'll be all our fault. Yep. We appreciate you. Thank you. This is Players Only. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.